hear me out there? Yes. It's such a privilege, trust me, to stand in a place like this and minister the Word of God to wonderful people such as yourself. I don't often get the opportunity, but whenever that comes up, I take it very, very, very seriously. I understand that not only have you given your time, but you're also giving your trust to this church. You're giving your trust to listen and to hear something that is going to help you. It takes trust. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you, Lord. We acknowledge the Holy Spirit as the teacher. We thank you for not just inspiring us, but informing us in Jesus' mighty name. Help us to hear. Give me utterance in Jesus' name, I pray. And help us all to go up in God now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Friends, uh, the title of my message today is Whom the Lord Loves, dot, dot, dot. I put the dots in there because I'm sure... That if I put the next word in there, I would lose three quarters of the congregation and you might just not even stay. I might be preaching to empty chairs. But today, part one, I'm sure there's more than one part. Whom the Lord loves, say dot, dot, dot. Last week we learned such a beautiful truth. I think it's so marvelous when Brother Keith uh, Hershey comes and ministers to us. How many of you had a chance to experience the love of God that day? What a marvelous, marvelous uh, impartation he gave not only that time but every time he comes but especially last time and I'm going to take you to first John chapter 4 verse 10 where he had us uh, read and he he parked it on this all day I mean the day I learn how to preach out of one scripture I think I will have arrived but I don't have one scripture I have like honest to goodness like 30 pages of notes I cut it down to be more like 18 but I'm not going to bore you today trust me God's going to help you Look at what it says, in this is love, or you might say this is love, not that we loved God, but, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. What a masterful job he did to help us to understand that we can finally relax for all the times that people have beaten us and beaten us into us that we've got to love God more and love God more and love God more. He says, you know what? I found that it's much better to realize that it isn't that you need to learn to love God more. It's that we need to learn how much God loves us. What a wonderful job he did. And that he sent Jesus Christ to be the propitiation of all our sins. Now, um, I'm going to kind of throw and insert a little something, uh, something by Dr. Cloud here from his book, uh, Changes That Heal. He said it's interesting to observe uh, or compare AA to a Christian church or the Christian church of today. He said in AA, people are in bad shape and they go into their AA meetings and they get better. They confess or they say the problems that they have. They already know they're messed up. They come in saying, hello, I'm messed up. <laughs> and then they get the help they need. But he says, but in churches, it's the other way around many times, friends. In churches, you walk into a meeting and everybody, problems? I don't have any problems. I mean, so you, you go in 
And you, you go in and you, you say that you don't have, we say that we don't have any problems and we go in uh, in a certain condition, but we get worse instead of get better. Why is that? Because the Bible requires of us to have a good and honest heart. Well, why don't we have an honest heart sometimes, even with ourselves? Can I just say we don't trust the love of God? We don't really understand. And, and I don't blame you. I don't blame you. And I, I, I mean, humankind, it's, it's one of the great dilemmas. And Jesus came and tried to represent the love of God to us to say, hey, I'm not holding your trespasses and your mistakes against you. But uh, many of us continue to subscribe to that frame of thought that God is mad at us and that, that we're never going to measure up and we keep being failures. Well, let me just get into this message a little bit. Maybe I trust that as we finish our talk in about 35 minutes or so, you're going to be more comfortable approaching God, your heavenly father, and being closer to Jesus than when you first came in today. First John 4.16 says this, and we have known and believed the love of God that he has for us. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Uh, next verse I'd like to read is First John chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Let me read that again. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to read it in the voice. Notice what it says in the voice translation. 1 John chapter 3 verse 1. I don't know that you have it up there, but listen carefully. Consider the kind of extravagant love the Father has lavished on us. He calls us His children or children of God. It's true. We are His beloved children. And in the same way the world doesn't recognize Him, the world doesn't recognize us either. It, let me skip down a little bit. Oh, this is inserted in there. This is not a scripture, but this is commentary in the voice. Notice what it says. When we feel like we are not good enough to be loved by God, we should remember that God's love is greater than our doubts. We must silence the sounds of condemnation so we can hear the voice of God's loving assurance and remember that he has selected us. Somebody say, God has selected me. Say that. To be a part of his family. Now, back to the verse, verse 2 in the voice. My loved ones, we have been adopted into God's family. And we are officially his children now. Can you say that? I'm his child right now. Now I'm going to give you... The next scripture I'm going to read to you is going to seem to throw a monkey wrench into the works. Because I believe at the crux of our development as children, as children of God, is a little bit of confusion in this area. Let me read the scripture to you. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 11 through 14. Are you ready for this? So we're children of God, right? We're sons and daughters. Is that right? Yes. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. 
got real quiet in this first church. I told you it was going to be a little different. Neither be weary of his correction. Oh, God loves me. God loves me. For whom the Lord loveth, what does he do? He correcteth. Even as a father, the son in whom he, what, delighteth. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. Lest I lose your attention right here. This seems like a very, very unpopular verse, Pastor Tom. Chastening, correction. Whom the Lord loves, he cur- I thought he loved me. I mean, so, yeah, he, lo- he loves you. And you're like a, you're, you're a son and you're a daughter. But we need to understand something. What we understand as chastise in modern culture is not what God means by chastise. I want to bring up the PowerPoint presentation. Bring up the first word. I, I did my first PowerPoint presentation. I hope, I hope it works real good. Oh, too bad Jane wasn't here. It's slide number one. We're going to look at a few words today. Can we bring up slide number one from the PowerPoint? Okay, I want to, I want to explain what you are looking at, friends. You are looking at the use Of these words, these next few words that I'm going to be presenting to you. There's about eight of them or so. And their use over time, probably in print. And what what they have ascertained in, I suppose, in their uses in everyday life. The the date starts at the 1800s. So we didn't go all the way back, you know, to Jesus Day. But the 1800s, and you can see that we're only stopping in 2010. Everybody see that? The word under consideration is chastise or chasten. Look at how it was used in the 1800s. It was used a lot. You see the the amount of use. And notice as we approached the 1900s, look at that steep decline. If this was a a Dow Jones report, you'd be crying right now. (laughs) Unless you held off to buy until now. You've heard of of, 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 uh, buy low and, and sell high. Well, at this point, you see how high it was, how much it was used a lot. And then it went down and notice what happened in 2010. Did it get more popular to use the word chasten? Chastise. And, and here's something, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to purport to be scientific about our little time together because this is not necessarily uh, an ironclad scientific thing, but this gives you a good idea. When's the last time you used the word or read the word chastise or chasten? Somebody raise your hand, unless you read the Bible. And then maybe we didn't even understand what that meant. Let's look at the next word. Admonish. Look at how much it was used in the 1800s. It was used a lot, wasn't it? And look at in our day, when we approach through the 19, there's a steep decline. And and in 2010, it kind of leveled out to maybe one-fourth of what it used to be used. Admonish. What what is this? What is admonish? I wish I had time. If I I wrote the note, well, maybe I could... could, uh... Let's go to the next one. I just got to do these words for go to the next word. Reproof. Now that's an all time low right there. Is that all? That's really how how many how many came to church to be real excited about being reproved? Look at that's uh, and no no wonder. Look look at how unpopular the concept of reproof is, or maybe may I say the lack of understanding of what that really is. Reproof. Let's go to the next word. 
Now look at this one's interesting. Now I'm certain we have to put a few variables in this class because I'm certain that in the 1800s, coach might have meant something you ride in pushed by a horse and buggy. And by the 1900s, I'm sure it meant a lady's purse. (laughs) But in the year 2010 and further, it has skyrocketed because, because of, why? Sports. Because coaching is quite palatable. We understand as in our everyday life, we understand that if you have a coach in your life, it's someone that has the best in mind for you, that sees the potential in you, and has laid down their life and given their time for you. Because they believe in you and they want to take you further than you could take yourself. There are life coaches. There are sports coaches. How many go to the gym and you have a you have a, a workout coach that helps you? It helps you to work out. Anybody have a workout coach? Somebody was. You don't have to be embarrassed. Come on, flex your muscles. Flex them. Let's see those muscles. We have one individual at the nine o'clock that has a trainer. Uh, 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 okay, coach. Okay, how many? You know. So, so anyway, okay, coach. It's a it's a concept that we understand. Let's go to the next word. Very popular. Next word, training. Look at that. Off the charts. First of all, let's go back to the 1800s. They hardly used the word, right? They hardly used that word. It almost didn't exist. <laughs> look at that. It's, it's almost at the very bottom. But look at where we are. Did you see that? How maybe in the year 2005 or so, you see how the word Training or train, and I, and and I'm putting variables there. I'm sure at the 1800s, yeah, I know maybe it might have meant a locomotive, but 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 it couldn't. You don't talk about trains every day, folks. I'm sorry. I mean, this is not the railroad. We talk about job training. Everybody understand that? With the training on the job, training or or trainers. Okay, how many have a trainer at the gym? You know, these these are things that we are familiar with. And what does a trainer do? A trainer puts you through the moves to help you to realize your potential. Just it's very similar to a coach. Let's, is there another word? I'm sure there's another word or two. Look how popular the word training and trainer. Let's go to the next word. Is that the okay? Instruction. Now this is very interesting. Instruction is almost level. Do you see how it's it's almost the same? So let me just suggest to you that instruction is a noun. It's a standard that people have set. All right, it's a standard. Like you might talk about trigonometry, uh, biology, or or whatever. Uh, but let's let's look at the verb instead of instruction. Let's let's look at the next word. I believe. Oh, I, I didn't put that one in the PowerPoint. Well, there's one where it says in, to instruct has gone way way down in our day and age. In other words, people are less and less apt to be teachable. We are less teachable today. Than they were back then. Back then, at least they they admitted, "We, I need help. I don't know. Here, take, please take my kid. Show him how to be a blacksmith. We don't know how to do this." But today, we say we don't need instruction. I got this. How many of you like to put the bicycles together at Christmas without reading the instructions? <laughs> I always read the instructions at the last resort. But let's look at encourage. Oh, we like encourage. Look, look at encourage. You see how high the word is? Look at where we are encouragement. Yeah. 
It's kind of like cotton candy. Let's go. Is there another? Is there another one? I think that may be the last one. Is there another one? Oh, rebuke. Let's look at rebuke. Is that very popular in our day and age? Do when's the last time you read rebuke in the New York Times or the, you know, or, or Wall Street Journal or or, or whatever? Public? When's the last time you read rebuke? As a society, we don't understand what admonish means. We don't understand what reproof means because there have been bad examples. And yet in the Bible, it's all over the place. I'm going to read something. You could take that off. I'm going to read something to you real quick. These two words, chastisement and chasing, which is what I think we're going to focus on today. This is H.E. Jacobs, who wrote, the, an author who wrote, a contributing person in the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia of 1915. These two words being chasten, chastisement and chastening, corresponding to Hebrew, Musar, and Greek, Paideia, paideia, and forgive me if I pronounce them wrong, are distinguished in the English used as chastisement, is applied in, uh, to the, applies to the infliction of pain, either as punishment for, re- for recalling to duty, while chastening is a wider term indicating discipline or training to which one is subjected without referring to the means deployed to the end. In other words, we, we look at it as something uh, that is, can I say, somebody say it hurts. And yet, look what what this uh, commentator continues to say. In the New Testament, the Greek paideia or paideia is used with a variety similar to its corresponding Hebrew Old Testament word. Examples of the fundamental idea meaning that of training. Training, not punishment. Training, teaching, not punishment. Coaching, not punishment. So anyway, he has all kinds of scriptures that we don't have time. Listen, nurture, notice the scripture in Ephesians 6, 4. Nurture them in the chastising, chastening and admonition of the Lord. Well, in that particular scripture, uh, when Padilla training is described as bringing pain, the mystery of suffering, which is the Old Testament most fully treated in the book of Job, at last finds its explanation, friends, in the New Testament. Chastising and admonition. You must realize that as a child of God, you, you cannot be under God's wrath. And hence, chastening which he endures is not destructive, but corrective. I don't know if you caught that. Rather than to destroy you and to hurt you, it's something to be constructive to correct your course, to help you. And I love what we're going to get into. Let me, let me see if I can read this. Notice what it says. Such consolation is afforded, not as the above passages by incidental allusions, but by the full argument upon the basis of Proverbs 3.11, which we started with today. An Old Testament text that has the depth and richness that can be understood and appropriated only by those who through Christ have learned to recognize the omnipotent ruler of heaven and earth as their loving and considerate father. On the basis of this passage, in distinction, a distinction is often drawn between punishment and chastisement. The former is an act of justice, revealing wrath, and the latter is an act of mercy, 
Since to them that are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation, Romans 8.1. They can suffer no punishment, but only chastisement. And we're going to find out something about that. But where, where there is guilt, there is punishment. But where guilt has been removed, somebody say guilt has been removed, there can be no punishment. Now catch this, if you just keep your ears on a little bit, I realize it's a little tedious. There being no degrees of justification, no one can be forgiven in part or just in a little part with a partial guilt set to his account for which he must give a reckoning either here or hereafter. If then all righteousness of Christ belongs to him and no sin whatsoever remains to be forgiven either whole or in part. All of life's sorrows are remedial agencies against danger and to train for the kingdom of heaven. What that's trying to tell us is that there is something very different than we have understood about what our Heavenly Father. Today, in the next few moments, I'm going to describe to you your Heavenly Father as your Heavenly Coach. Is that all right? Can you stay with me? I promise it won't be as tedious <laughs> as all that was. But okay, let's let's look at this. I, I have so much I have to like really, really. Okay, coach. This is what we call an acrostic, which means I'm going to put chastise. And if you're writing notes, this is the C. The C in chastise is coach. This is, in many instances, an instructor or a trainer. We know about that. We're familiar. How about a tutor who gives, I love this, private lessons. Friends, you know when we say Jesus is our, is Jesus your personal? Yes, Lord and Savior. Personal Lord and Savior. What does that mean? So, listen, just being a child of God signed you up for Planet Fitness. And you have a personal trainer. Yes, that's good. Excellent. A personal tutor. A personal coach. He's there to train, to help you, to bring out the best in you. Let me read a little something about coaches. Coaches hold a very important position in life. They can make or break an athlete or a team. There can be a, there's a difference between there the difference between success and failure. I was a little league coach once and we had one of the worst teams in the league. Yet I continually reminded the players that they were getting better with each game. I tried to inspire them that with each and every loss they were learning something. Now, I know. I know this is a faith church. I know I thank my God. You know, thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph. Is that right? Don't, don't we say, come on, help, help me out a little bit. Don't we say that all the time? So are you going to sit there and tell me that we never made a mistake? That we always triumph under every circumstance. Let me tell you what a triumph is. This is a triumph. That you fell down. You had, we had enough sense to say, reach up and call out to our coach. Say, coach, 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 help me. He took you by the hand, picked you up. 
That's the success story. It's not what you did. It's what he did. And you, this is an interactive thing, friends. That's why Jesus is a personal Lord. A personal Savior. Of course you need saving. Are you kidding me? We all need saving. You, you were saved when you received Christ. You are being saved if you call on Him. Well, I called on the Lord once 50 years ago. That's not good enough. When's the last time you called your coach? When's the last time you went out and hit the mat? And he put you through the drills and encouraged you and said, now you can do this. Keep your elbow up. Keep your confession right. Okay, let's, let me help you with this. Here, you, you don't need to think that. You, 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 you don't have to repeat that. Go- don't even listen to that gossip. Yep, that, there you go. There you go. That's it. All right. There's your stride. You got it. There you go, tiger. That's it. That's Jesus. That's, that's Jesus. Hallelujah. So, you know... Let's see where I'm going to go. He, he coaches us in issues of self-control. Listen, no athlete can really make it without determining to do certain things. You, in your life, your heavenly coach. And be careful. I, I just want to put a disclaimer in here. I am not going to reduce our Lord and Redeemer and, and, and the Heavenly Father. I'm not going to reduce them just to the level of a coach. You know, but this is one of their functions and it's throughout scripture. If I had time, I wish I had time, but I don't, I would show you how Jesus would go in there and there is a, there is something called the international federation of coaches and they have, they have teaching and you can even get a certificate to become a coach in any number of fields from professional to sports to personal image consultant and the whole thing. And they all say a lot of the same things, but nobody can be a personal coach like Jesus. Hallelujah. Love you, Jesus. Every athlete needs self-control. They need discipline. And don't we love it when we watch the Olympics, when we see people do amazing things. I, I remember uh, when one of our sons was, uh, was doing uh, uh, martial arts. And I would watch those seventh degree black belts. Oh my gosh, they were like poetry in motion. And those high kicks like that. And, and all this stuff. I'm going like, wow. Especially that real tall guy. He was good. I mean, they, 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 they just look like poetry in motion. You know, all this stuff, I'm like, wow. But you know, he didn't get that way by eating donuts and watching Gilligan's Island. (laughs) He had to hit the mat and subject himself to a master. Is that right? He had to do certain exercises. See, exercise is not a dirty word. (laughs) Are we having fun yet today? Come on, loosen up, church.